We are a band of brothers, diverse yet unified, aligned to pursue the truth, resolute in our commitment. We are stronger together, and you are one of us. This is the Brotherhood Podcast. Brothers, welcome to the podcast. Today we get to tune in and listen to our September breakfast with Pastor Lee Martin and Brian Job. Let's tune in and listen to their message to the Brotherhood. Well, good morning. Man, this room is full all the way to the back. And I just want to say this, and I know Brian wants to say some things too. My name is Lee, this is Brian, and um, thank you. We are honored. We do not take for granted that you get up early on a Friday morning. I'm sure you've got a full day of work ahead of you. We're honored and we're humbled that you would take the time to be here. And I know you're not just here to hear what Brian and I have to say. I know you're here to connect with this brotherhood, but, but it is something very, very special. And I just wanna say thank you. I know we've got guys in this room from other churches, Battle Creek. I know we've got guys from First Church Owasso. I know we've got guys from Mighty Oaks. I know we've got guys from Hope is Alive. I know we've got friends from Cornerstone. I know with a lot of you attend here at COTM, there is an amazing constellation of men in this room, and I just want to say welcome, and thank you so much for being here. You want to add to that at all? You nailed it. Okay. I'm, I'm just going to fight to get a word in today. I know my <laughs> best friend's got a lot to say. Story, story of our lives, right? It is. Um, hey, there are some guys in the room I don't know, and I do think, man, I look out, I see so many familiar faces. My dad's here, mentors, mountain men guys, like yeah. you said. But for those that don't know us, let's at least tell them a little bit about who we are. Lee and I met about 34 years ago yeah. as um, sixth graders. Yep. And, you know, quite a bit of a journey in there. We're going to get to share a little bit about that today. Um, but really what we do right now is we have a nonprofit that uh-huh. takes guys to the mountains. It's a discipleship journey called Mountain Men. There's many of you guys in the room. We work together at Church yep. on the Move yep. uh, in different roles. We get to pastor here. Uh, it's just, man, it's the highlight of our lives. But we've had yeah. kind of a journey to get here. Lee's been in ministry his whole career. Um, for me, I had a different route. I worked, I've attended this church for 20 plus years, but worked in oil and gas and just recently came on the team a couple years ago. And, uh, man, it's just been, what a ride it's been when I think about 34 yeah. years of friendship. It has, it's, it's been ministry the last several years, but it's yeah. been doing life together for over three decades. And just so you guys know, kind of we're, we're ordinary, regular guys. We, we were thinking through, just as we were putting this together, just some stories, just some things that we've been through. We've been through some crazy stuff as, as friends, and maybe you have memories like that too, but just, just a couple. We can tell a lot, but just a couple to kind of let you know what our childhood looked like. Um, uh, I, I remember Brian and I, we were in juniors in high school, and we were going to go to a, uh, it was a, a recruiting banquet for the Bible college that I ended up attending, Ozark Christian College. They came to Tulsa and they were gonna get a lot of high school guys that were about to be seniors, the girls that were about to be seniors, and do a little banquet and recruit for the school. And we got all dressed up for this. And the reason we got all dressed up because it was a really fancy banquet. They held it at Ryan's Steakhouse and Buffet. You know, it was a pretty special event. And uh, before we I left- I just celebrated my 16th birthday there with you and some friends. That's right, that's right. One of our favorite places because we could eat anything we wanted. Um, but before we left, some of us, from the other kids from our youth group were gonna go. And we had this little soft, like soft, soccer ball, this like kid's ball that had come out of the nursery or something. And we were kind of kicking it around and throwing it around and somebody threw it really high in the air. And I got this really cool idea because there were some girls there and I'm a soccer player. I got this cool idea. I'm going to, I'm going to step up to that ball that's in the air and I'm going to jump up and I'm going to head that to Brian. 
The problem was Brian got that exact same idea to impress those girls. And when I went up to head it, not even noticing where he was, we just knocked heads together like a couple of pool balls. It's just like, right? All of a sudden, blood is gushing out of my face and blood is gushing out of Brian's face. We missed the banquet completely. We both spent the evening in the, in the emergency room, f- five or six stitches in Brian's forehead, eight or nine stitches in my eye. And uh, yeah, that, that was kind of some stuff that we did. You know, it makes, it reminds me of one of our first, you know, this was way before Mountain Men. We we're probably juniors in high school. Way before. We're going to Colorado for a week-long kind of outdoor experience with our youth pastor, and it's a co-ed trip. And we've done a couple of these before into Arkansas, into Colorado, and boy, we find ourselves, man, a couple days in the backcountry. We're on the Rainbow Trail That's in right. the Rockies, and there's this amazing mountain stream. And I haven't had, I, I take a shower like, two or three times a day and did in high school too. Um, and there's this little kind of trickle of a waterfall behind, you know, some huge trees, aspen trees. I mean, it's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. And so we're kind of broken off from our group. It's Lee and I and maybe two other buddies. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's snow melt. It's pretty cold. But I decide, man, what a great idea to take a shower. So I strip down, start kind of dipping my head slowly in the water, thinking, okay, I'm, I'm kind of catching my breath now. I'm going to get cleaned up here. Yes, yeah, so let me just take this story over right here. So I'm down at the stream pumping water. Like, you have to pump and purify water. And my two closest friends, Brian and Derek, have gone up the stream, kind of out of view, because there were girls on this particular trip. We went as a youth group, and there were some girls on the strip. So they wanted to get up there if they're going to take a shower so nobody see them. And I'm just down there pumping water. And when I, I hear a commotion, sounds like a bear coming through the forest, and I look up, and there is Brian and my other closest friend, with their clothes and their boots in their hands, butt naked, running down the stream, screaming and swinging their clothes because when they got into the waterfall, they realized right up under the waterfall was a giant beehive. And so it's like that scene in Tommy Boy, bees, bees, right? Death from above, right? And, and so here they come. And you can imagine the shocked, stunned feeling that I had seeing my two closest friends in all of their glory, uh, running down the stream, screaming. Uh, there's lots of memories like that. In fact, Jeffrey, I, I brought some pictures I thought you guys might appreciate. Um, that's a lot of hair. Yeah. Yeah. We did a lot of shopping at Bell's and Rimberg's. Yes, we then, did. Apparently. And I love that Cosby sweater you had. Jeffrey, you can just kind of scroll through this, those. We got one more story that we want to tell. That was back when you had like a bottle a month habit of Dracar. Dracar Noir, yeah, yeah. This was on a mountain trip right here with some pretty sweet pink shorts. Um, We shopped at the Army ROTC a lot. We did, we did. We shopped at Army Navy Surplus. That is a fish, actually. Brian, did you catch that fish? Like with your hand or something? That had to have been yours. No, I think that was definitely your fish. Um, That's a sweet goatee. Is that what you said, Whit? Yeah, the chain is awesome, too. Uh, Lee wore a chain until he was 40. (laughs) (laughs) I may have one on now. Who knows? Um, We clearly were fashion forward. I mean, we're setting trends in most of these pictures. For sure. I I agree. You know, one more story that we wanted to share before we kind of jump into this is a a story that some of you have heard. I shared a couple years ago that for kind of a 40th birthday uh, really special deal, Brian and I got to go and climb Mount Rainier in Washington and uh, Washington State. And it was kind of the bucket list trip. It was the hardest mountain we've ever climbed. 
just an amazing mountain to climb. And uh, I got to share in the service, like all this interesting stuff about that trip. Like we got there and we found out we were on the girls team. There was only one other guy and it was all girls and our guide was a girl. And there were a lot of great things that happened on that trip. But a story that I couldn't share in the service that I think you guys would appreciate is... Um, yeah, we were close to the top, and Claire was on our rope team, and she yep. had been struggling, and we really didn't know if we were going to make it to the top. Yeah, and it's the weather. Imagine a tornado, yeah. kind of condi- or pre-tornadic conditions here in Oklahoma. That's what we're experiencing on the side of this mountain, probably an hour from the top. Yeah, and what Lee and I weren't saying to each other because the wind was blowing so hard. You, I mean, we were this close to each other, just yelling at each other, yeah. asking people, asking each other to repeat what we were saying. Is I've really got to pee. Yeah. And I, it's to the emergency level. But when you're on a rope team that high on the mountain, and you can't leave it. When we say rope team, there's four of us roped together. We're this far apart. And if you step a further, one step further than that apart, the rope's getting tight. Yeah. And we're pulling one of our girls up the mountain yeah, at this we, point. I'm, I'm pretty mad, honestly. We've got a 20-year-old something girl on one side and our guide, Gloria, on the other side. Three and- sets of gloves on, multiple layers on. I'm thinking about peeing myself. Yeah. Um, no one would have cared. I'm, I, honestly, we, at that point, I was kind of hoping she was going to quit because yes. I was pretty much done. Yeah, so was I. But thank God we were able to make it to the summit. And when we got up there, it was freezing and the wind was blowing like crazy. And it's kind of a bowl up there because it's, it's, it was a tornado or a tornado. It was a volcano. And so there's a, there's a crater bowl up there. And so we kind of huddled against one of the walls of the crater. So imagine coming up these steps. We're at the top, top yeah. of Rainier. We, you can't see anything. No. It's like sleeting in our face. Yes. I mean, the ocean's just right over there. Yeah. We're thinking it's going to be this epic view. We can't see anything. We're above some of the clouds. We're in some of the clouds. And we truly just go around the corner, and there's kind of this ice wall yeah. that kind of comes back over our heads. And That's right. it must have took three minutes to get the gloves off and the yeah. clothes off. We're still roped up. You can't unrope from each other until we get back down off the mountain. So yes. we've got our two, our guide and, and the girl, and we're in a race to see if we can get our clothes off. And I mean, I'm kind of starting to pee myself. I yeah. can't get it off yeah. quick enough. That happens after And we 40. didn't really think about what was gonna... <laughs> I'm not yeah. there yet. I can't make it through the night anymore. <laughs> <laughs> He's older than I am, so... That's right, I am. So we're standing here, I mean, a couple feet from each other, yeah. and we're not yeah, really thinking about close. the physics of what's getting ready to happen. No, no. It was really windy, you guys. The, the wall was doing this. What it was came out indicator. as a trickle came back as a storm front, really. And began to freeze on our beard and our glasses and our jackets. I, I was a little dehydrated. The salt, I, did, I do the, think, helped the, on the descent. It really did. It was the, yeah. the electrolytes. So for the next two hours... Yeah. I can't see out of my goggles because Lee's pee is, pee all is over. on them. Yeah, yeah. And the girls we're with, they're just taking it all in. They're just watching. Just laughing, They're just enjoying watching the it. spray. It's like the surf just coming up over our heads in a But in a once deep you yellow. start after six hours of holding it on top of once the 14,000 foot peak. Yeah. Right, right. So uh. many, many, many stories. And I hope that you have friends in your life that, that you've got stories like that with, just doing life together. See, what Brian and I want to talk about today is something that has meant more to us than almost anything else in our life. 
It really has. Because this thing that we're going to talk about, it has, it's helped us get through some of the biggest difficulties and challenges and even tragedies of our life and not just get through them, but to be able to move through them and be stronger on the other side, to be healed, to not carry a bunch of baggage like we are all tempted to do from the challenges and difficulties and tragedies of our life. But that's not all. If that's, was, if that's all that we were gonna talk about, that'd still be a good thing. But this thing that we're talking about also does something else. It has helped us experience incredible victories and successes and fruitfulness in our life. And we were thinking about that word fruitfulness. It's like, man, that sounds kind of like a churchy word. Maybe we shouldn't use the word fruitfulness with this group of guys. But the more we thought about it, it's like, maybe we need as guys to understand what that word means. Psalm, the very first chapter, talks about a tree that's planted close to a water source. And what does that tree do? What is it made to do? It's made to produce a lot of fruit. And in our lives, this thing that we're talking about today, it has helped us produce fruit, live out our purpose, and be fruitful, not just for ourselves, but for the people in our lives. And so here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about what this thing is called right here. We're going to talk about brotherhood. Talk about brotherhood. And I am convinced that there is not a single man in this room who would not benefit, who would not be richly blessed, who would not be helped through the difficulties and tragedies and helped to succeed and have victories without a good brother or a brotherhood around you to help you move in that direction. But we kind of guess that there are kind of three different groups of guys in the room. Yeah, I know there's one group in here because there's many of you I know that value this just like we do. Yeah, You know, it's, a, right. it's a virtue, it's, a, it's something it. significant to you. You've seen the benefit of it. But I think there's another group in the room that we are hoping to also speak to today. Not just encourage those that value this, but you want this and you don't have it. And I hope you can glean some things from a few stories we share and maybe some tips we share um, to figure out how to crack the code of having close male friendships, a brotherhood. But the third category may be the toughest category to speak to. And that is, and I've been there, we've been there. Yeah. I'm doing pretty good on my own. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing there's a few guys in the room that feel that way, yeah. that you're crushing it. You're, you've got the family, you've got the car, you've got the house, you're succeeding at work, and you're, you're doing pretty good. Yeah. What would you say about that? Yeah, we get it. We get it. We've been there. And the truth is, you, you can do pretty good on your own. There's a lot of alpha males in this room. There's a lot of talented men in this room. There's a lot of entrepreneurs in this room. There's a lot of hard workers in this room. And the reality is, you can do pretty good on your own. And when you start thinking about brotherhood, kind of what Brian and I are talking about, you go, man, that sounds like a commitment. It sounds like I'm gonna have to get messy into the lives of other people. And you kind of just go, man, I think I'd just rather be pretty good on my own. But here's what we wanna lay in front of you. Maybe if you remember nothing else, remember this. One of the dangerous places for you to be in your life, one of the worst places that you can be is pretty good on your own. It's one of the worst places that you can be. You know how I know that? Because when God created the universe, he just kept saying, this is good, and this is good, and this is good. And then he made man, and he said, this is good. But then the very first thing he said, wait, 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 this is not good. 
He said, it's not good for a man to do life on his own. It's not good for you to go it alone. And the best you'll ever be in that scenario is pretty good. Now, if you've spent any time with me, you know that one of my favorite passages of scripture is Ecclesiastes, the fourth chapter. And we're gonna unpack that a little bit today. But it's important for us to understand from this guy, Solomon, who was considered one of the wisest men that ever walked the planet, he has a lot to say before we get to chapter four in the book of Ecclesiastes. Yeah, I think it's interesting when you read Ecclesiastes. Now, step back, you know, not a, I'm not preaching a sermon here, but just go with me for a second because I think this is helpful. We've got this a significant biblical story. We're not just looking at Ecclesiastes saying, man, here's a key verse to use today. And here's why I say that. Man, in the garden... Adam and Eve made some poor choices. They didn't lean into the wisdom of God. And I think we have a lot we can learn from Solomon. So we're kind of in the arc of this biblical story when you get into Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and really the books that Solomon's credited to writing. And so one, you've got this wise king that let's just say is leaning into godly wisdom like Adam and Eve didn't. But you've also got a little bit of a picture of Jesus and Solomon for a season. He brings an amazing level of peace to the Israelites. And there's some success in his kingdom, but he falls into self-deception. And the tricky thing about self-deception is you can't detect it yourself, right. or it wouldn't be called that. Yeah. You're gonna need some outside perspective. Right. And so, you know, we don't see at the end of Solomon's story this kind of recap of Solomon was a great king, Solomon was a bad king. You're kind of left with this tension yeah. of Solomon, son of David, has wild success, has unlimited resource, has unlimited women, has unlimited uh, peace in his reign. But it's interesting, in Proverbs, you see him talking to his sons, but in, fast forward to Ecclesiastes, the first three and a half chapters yeah. are really Solomon at the end of his life talking about life's a vapor. It's meaningless. Life throws a lot of challenges at you. But it's peculiar, I think it's fascinating that you get to chapter four, verse nine, and there's a little bit of a different story there. The, the story turns for Solomon. And what's interesting about those first three chapters is, do you know what Solomon says is meaningless? The chasing after the wind? He lists a bunch of the things that most of us in this room chase. Solomon had power. He was a king. And with all the power that he had, he just went, uh, I'm empty still. Solomon had women, more women than I think any man would ever even want to begin to handle, right? Total choice with women. And he said it was meaningless, it was empty. He had wealth. All these things are the things that we chase. He had respect. And yet he keeps going, why? It's not what I thought it would be. And the thing is, some of you in this room are old enough. You've been chasing those things and you've taken a hold of a lot of them. And you're still saying, is this it? And then there's this turn. Actually, in chapter four, four, verses seven and eight, right before the ninth verse, you know what Solomon says? He says, I see this man and he's working hard. He's toiling, he's, he's laboring and he's acquired great wealth, and it doesn't make him happy. He's discontent, and he asks the question, who am I doing this for? Why am I doing all this, and I'm not enjoying life at all? And he says, this is a, this is a pointless business. But then, chapter 
4, verse 9. And the whole story turns. And I want you to look at this on the screen with me. Finally, Solomon says something is pretty good. Two are better off than one. For they help each other succeed. If one person falls, and you will, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? You know, in this whole passage, that's the part that kind of makes me the most uncomfortable. But the reality is, <laughs> been there. that's our story. <laughs> We've been there. It's one of those stories that when you're in the moment, you say, let's never speak of this again. And now we're talking to 400 guys about it. Brian got really wet on a mountain trip and he was entering into hypothermia. He was shaking uncontrollably and we had to get in the tent and snuggle in order to warm you up. So as much as I'm uncomfortable with that line, it's real, it's true. It's, it's how you sometimes have to survive and you can't do it on your own. Look what's next. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Yeah, hear us out. We're not saying brotherhood is the only way to get this. But boy, is it a valuable way to accomplish this. Yeah. And what we're hoping you hear today is, man, we want you to have a strong marriage. Yeah. Uh, we want you to have strong family ties. You know, there's a lot of different ways to be a three-stranded cord with God and another person. That's right. But boy, the value of having brothers, and this isn't just about our story. Yeah. I mean, what we're doing here at Church on the Move, what, what's happening in Mountain Men, I mean, that's way beyond a couple people. I mean, it's a brotherhood among many brothers. Yeah. And so what we're, just, what we're gonna elevate today, I think, is really just this idea that, man, this is extremely valuable to us, and we wanna share it with as many people as we can. That's right. So today isn't like a, a gospel presentation, though I think the gospel is all through this. It's really Brian and I wanting to have an ongoing conversation because this is a conversation that we've been having for a long time, and this is a conversation we're going to continue to have. It's a conversation that Johnny and Mark have been having, and so many of you have been having, and there's so many people in this room that Brian and I go to for help and advice more than we do each other. I mean, we, do, we go to each other a lot, but like, there's some of you in this room that I seek out even when I don't seek out Brian. Because this is a brotherhood, and I know he does the same. And so here's, the, here's what we're doing. This is an invitation into something that we value, something that we have seen the benefit of in our lives. And like Brian said, you can have this Ecclesiastes 4 kind of relationship with your wife. Two are better than one. That's true. But what we found is there are certain things that having a brother in your life brings you that almost no other relationship can I didn't have a brother growing up. I had an older sister. Brian didn't have a, a brother. He had two younger sisters. But we have gotten to experience true brotherhood because we share the same heavenly father and we are sons in that family. So we are brothers and it has made all the difference. Here's something I want you to see. Pretty good on your own is two things. It's a dangerous path There's a bunch of you in this room and you know it. You're pretty much doing life on your own. You know it. You have been for a while. You've had to. Building that business 
trying to get ahead. You didn't have time for relationships. You had to keep your head down and keep working. But where has it gotten you? This is a dangerous path to take, life on your own. But, but here's the second thing. It can also hold you back from all God has for you. It's not just dangerous that it might take you into trouble, but, but it can keep you from going and becoming and producing and, and realizing what God has for you. And so we wanna invite you into something that we hope can help with that. Let's throw this next slide up here, Jeffrey. This is kind of what we've been talking about. This is just life. It doesn't matter whether you're following Jesus or you're not at all. You're gonna experience both of these. You're gonna have some victories and some successes. You're gonna produce a little bit of fruit in your life. And you're also gonna have challenges and difficulties and tragedies. Let us be very, very clear. If you get plugged in with a great group of guys, you're not gonna avoid those things on the left. You're still gonna have them. In fact, it's having a brotherhood where where that becomes really important to have a brotherhood when you're going through those kinds of things. I I know it has for us. Yeah, I remember... I mean, kind of how we met was kind of on the difficulty side of this. Yeah. I came home. My sisters are five years younger than I am, um, was in sixth grade. And remember getting off the bus kind of in front of our house that day and seeing my dad's car in the driveway. And I'm thinking, wow, best day ever. My dad was in sales, traveled a lot, worked a lot, had to work a lot. Um, but I thought, man, home early, this is going to be fun. What are we going to do together? We're going to shoot baskets in the drive. We're going to do something. I walk in the house, go around, you know, into our dining room, go around the corner to the living room. And man, I'd never had any difficulty. I'd had a man, an incredible childhood, like think sandlot running around the neighborhood, just not a care in the world. But the heaviness when I walked in and saw my parents sitting there was tangible. Even as a 12 year old, I didn't know what it was. I thought maybe someone had died. Maybe this is what that feels like. And my dad sitting right down here just breaks the hard news to me and says, man, your mom and I are getting a divorce. And you, man, the, the shock for me, as you can imagine as a child, you're not, you're not emotionally prepared for that. You don't, you don't even know what that really means. I mean, I knew one family that we were relatively close with. They were next door neighbors that had a divorce the kids were weird. The dad was never around. I mean, you just kind of, you connect with what you know. And, you know, I think as a dad, what my dad was going through, as a son, what I was going through, it was, it was heavy. It was hard. It was uncharted territory for the both of us. And um, it cost a lot for us. My mom had to start working full time. Uh, my dad got an apartment. I mean, we're, you know, we weren't wealthy. I, we, I don't even know if we were maybe lower middle class. Uh, I mean, I, I, money wasn't a value to a 12-year-old, but my, I find my dad in an apartment. We're still living in the house. Mom ultimately has to sell the house, gets remarried a couple times. But what happened in that first week or two after the divorce was we weren't really comfortable or even that welcomed at the small church we were at anymore. And so we find our way to another church in West Tulsa, Osage Hills Christian Church. And it happens to be Lee's dad's church. Walk in to a classroom of maybe five students in there uh, that are roughly my age, maybe fifth and sixth grade class probably. And from week one, from day one, I'm, I'm not thinking I need anything, need any help. I'm just starting to connect the dots that, man, I gotta be more responsible at home. Uh, I'm, you know, starting to figure out, man, my mom's not going to be home until six o'clock at night. I got to take care of my sisters. So starting to take on some responsibility, maybe even becoming a man before I knew what that even was. But what I didn't realize is I, the value of friendship. I mean, Lee 
much like he is with so many of you, he just kind of gets his claws in you. He just asks questions. He just cares. He just reaches out. It's just who he is. And it wasn't, I mean, maybe two, three, four weeks before, and we were Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night church attenders, before I had a real friend. And I'd had many friends in my life, but it was something different. And where we found ourselves the next few years was dozens of conversations after playing pickup basketball at Ziegler Park of sitting there until 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night with Lee just asking questions. How you doing? How does that make you feel? What do you think about that? He wasn't a counselor. He was just a friend that cared. I think, man, some of my fondest memories, I wasn't thinking, I honestly kind of hated it at the time. I thought, great, we're going to sit here and Lee's going to start asking me questions again. But I had a trampoline and we bounced around. My mom got married a couple more times, so lived at a a few different houses, but anytime Lee would come over and stay the night or eventually we started getting our driver's license and stay, we would go lay out on the trampoline at night. Sometimes we'd sleep out there. And those were deep conversations about life, about what I was thinking about. And I look back on those uh, times and think, man, that was invaluable. That straightened some thoughts, some issues. It let go of some weights that I was carrying. My dad was still there for me. We have a great relationship. Got to see him all the time. He ended up moving in our neighborhood. I had other men at our church that stepped up. Your dad was like a second dad to me, but there was something so precious when I look back about that time together and about you investing into our relationship. Yeah, and I think what was true then is actually still true now. And that is, I didn't know what to say. I was trying to figure out what I would feel like if I was going through what Brian was going through. And I, and I, I was dumbfounded. I found that I could see Brian was hurting and I understood why, but I didn't know how to make it better. And so we would just, what Brian doesn't realize is I wasn't just like somebody who was comfortable with that situation. I, I was brokenhearted for my friend. And so we would just lay on the trampoline and watch for shooting stars and talk about life. It's the same thing that's true now in a brotherhood. You don't have to have the answers. You don't have to have the right advice. You just have to walk with somebody, whether they're going through a victory or whether they're going through a challenge. That's what brotherhood is. And I got to do that for Brian, and I'm so thankful I did when we were 12 and 13 and 14 and 15 years old. But 20 years later, we would reverse roles. Actually, this past Monday, Labor Day Monday, 13 years has passed since my life fell apart, blew up. And I'm not going to tell my whole story. Most of you know it, but I was a pastor. I had an affair, and it all blew up on Labor Day 2009. And my life was over. Like everything, everything I had built, everything that I cared about just was in ashes around me. And when Shannon, my wife, took our two boys who were crying and scared and jumped in the van and peeled out of the parking or the driveway, I went up into our living room and I sat down on the couch and I looked at the floor and I just said, how in the world did I get here? What have I done? And I picked the phone up and I made two phone calls. One was to my dad and the other was to Brian. It's hard to tell your friend who loves you and who respects you hey, I, I've ruined my life. I've done the unthinkable as a pastor. But you know what Brian did? Brian and I had not been as close 
through that season. We were building careers and starting families and living halfway across the country. But though it was a great inconvenience to him, he jumped in his truck and he drove all the way to Omaha. And I remember sitting in the cab of his truck in the driveway of my house Just feeling like my life was over at about 33 years old. And Brian didn't have any answers, and he certainly couldn't fix what was about to go down in my life over the next three and a half years, but he said, I'll go through it with you. And he did. And I, I tell that story because if I couldn't have made those two calls, I know for a fact I would not be sitting here today. I know it. I don't think I'd be married. I don't think I'd have a great relationship with my two sons who are sitting right here. But because I could pick up the phone and make that call, because I had a true brother, I was able to go through that tragedy, that that shipwreck in my life. I think no matter where you are in life, whether it's something external that happens to you that you never saw coming, or whether it's self-imposed and you do it yourself, uh, no matter how much success you have, there's got to be challenges and troubles in life. Yeah. And I think this is the slippery slope of where we see pretty good alone kind of, kind of falling apart or maybe not, not working or, or becoming meaningless. It's, I think any of these stories, and you guys have your own, we have many more we can share, but when you go from having some success, which at that point, we've been five years kind of distant from each other, just talking a few times, you're building family, like you said, building career, having success, but boy, you fall into that bucket of challenges, difficulties, and tragedies. Yeah. It's really easy to slip even further and kind of get stuck. There's a pull. So Jeffrey, throw that next slide up here. There, there's a pull. Because if you're pretty good on your own, you're doing life on your own, you, you can start up here on the upper right. You can still have some victories. You can still have some successes. But there's just this pull when you're all by yourself, when you're alone. The enemy has been doing this for thousands of years. He, he's got good schemes that work. And it begins to pull you into challenges, into difficulties, into tragedies. They happen to all of us. And he leverages those. He seizes on those opportunities. And look at those things that come out of that. When you're doing life on your own, those things can turn into addictions because we're just looking for something that, that takes the edge off, just something that makes us feel a little better. And, and some of you in this room, you are struggling with alcoholism right now. You know that you go home every day and drink a little too much because it takes the edge off of the challenges and the difficulties and the tragedies that you're dealing with. Maybe you're looking at porn way too much. Maybe you can't shut it off. Maybe it's some other substance abuse. Maybe you'd never have enough. Broken relationships come. When we get pulled in this direction, failure anxiety. How many of you in this room, don't raise your hand, are frustrated? You're asking yourself, why am I so frustrated? Why am I so angry about my life? Solomon was talking about that in Ecclesiastes. You can do the thing that you thought you wanted to do and still be frustrated. There's anger and emptiness. We talked about this last year, but men in our world are far too passive. We just kind of take a, who cares? What difference does it make? Kind of an attitude. Depression and even loss of faith. I mean, without telling the whole story, you went through a tragedy that really challenged your faith. Yep. You know, you can, it doesn't matter how much success you have. Yeah. I think when those tragedies come, it can make you question everything. Yeah. And I, I know, you know, at 30, we lost a child in the hospital holding our first daughter, uh, lifeless body, 
I didn't even mean to get off on this today, but just remember thinking, God, where are you? Like, I've seen this blessing. My, my salary's tripled in the last five years. My kingdom's growing. I've got a family. I've got two boys. I've got a wife. I'm saving for the car I've always wanted. I mean, like, I'm, I'm plugged in at church. Like, I'm doing all the things. Where are you? This, this can't happen. Yeah. And just kind of in, a, in, an, in that uh, struggle, if you will, or that kind of tension of, man, what, what is life about? <laughs> Asking big questions, God, who are you? What am I supposed to do with the rest of my life? How do I move on from here? And what's great is there is good news. We don't have to get stuck in those things. And I I do want to kind of switch to the next slide because I think the way of Jesus, and this is not just friendship outside of Christ. The way of Jesus is there is meaning to both the right and left side of the, the, the life chart that he's put together here. That's right. I mean, through the difficulties, you don't have to get stuck and through the victories, they can have even more meaning than just, man, I've, I've accomplished something I set out to do. If alone, the way of the world and the enemy is pulling you in that last slide's direction with brothers who share the same purpose and discipleship with Jesus, it can pull you in this direction because you're still gonna have the challenges and the difficulties and the tragedies, but it can pull you through those in a healthy way, two victories, two successes, two fruitfulness, and, and that comes through courage. I'm always having more courage and boldness when I've got somebody with me, somebody who has my back. That's what Solomon was talking about. And, and there's a multiplication. I wanna talk about that in a minute. Opportunities come whenever we're connecting into brotherhood. Joy and deep satisfaction and meaningful relationships, not just among your brothers, but I have found that my relationship with my brothers has enhanced my relationship with my wife, with my children, because they're helping me become a better version of myself. And then the capital L life is what I call what Jesus said in John 10, 10, when he said, I came to bring you life and life to the full, not just life like someday you're going to go to heaven and not have to be dead. No, life to the full right now, abundant life. Brothers help you walk into this. So if you go by yourself, you're going to be pulled. Can you still be pretty good on your own? Yeah, for a little while. But you want to be more than just pretty good on your own. You want to thrive. You want to have successes and victories that last, that impact more than just your own happiness and just your own life. Yeah, I think I want to spend the rest of our time talking about how. I mean, like we've, you know, I'm not trying to do a hard shift here, but man, I think this room gets it. You wouldn't be up at six o'clock in the morning driving here if there wasn't a part of you that wanted, you know, a deeper brotherhood or you're not leaning into the brotherhood you have. Yeah. But we did ask some friends in the room some questions. Yeah. And what questions do you have, Ali and I? And some of these questions have come up over the years just here, pastoring people, struggling, and some of life's most difficult situations or even through mountain men. That's all right. So you know, here's the first one. We're just going to run through these practically, and then we'll be done. Because what do you do with this? You're sitting there going, oh, I love that. I wish I had a friendship like that. I wish I had brothers like that. What do I do? How do I do it? Here's one of the questions we got. I've tried groups like this before. Some of you have. And they just petered out. There was no chemistry. The guys that you tried to connect with were weird. You know, it just didn't work. What if I just can't find a friend that I connect with? That's a real, that's a real issue. I get it. But what I want to share with you is what I've been telling both of my sons for a very long time. Stop looking for the perfect situation and start just being a good brother. If you want to find, if you want to have good brothers, start by being a good brother. If that's what you're hungry for, then you begin with you. You start it. What would you add to that? 
Yeah, I think it's, it's so simple that sometimes we overlook it. Yeah. But I think, how, like how, do I do, how do I be a good brother? Well, you find someone in this room, someone you work with, someone you go to church with, someone you, and you just ask them to breakfast. Yeah. You invite them out to a cup of coffee. I mean, not just our church, but all the churches represented in the room have programmatic things mm-hmm. that are easy, open doors for you to walk into and find men at a table at. And so my, my challenge, I shouldn't even say challenge, my, the next step for some of you is just, it may be someone at your table today. Yeah. It may be someone in the small group you're in. It's going another level and just being a good friend. And so, you know, what, there's definitely things that this doesn't look like, you know, and I think we could spend a lot of time unpacking, hey, don't keep, don't go to someone that keeps turning you down yeah. and keep asking them out and pursuing someone. That's just weird. Yeah, but start knocking on doors. And what I mean by that is, man, ask John, I'm picking on you, John, but what I've done is I've asked Dave Jewett, John Starr, Mark Delaney, Tracy Standridge, I could, there's so many of you in the room, just a cup of coffee. I need some advice. Uh, I'm, I'm testing the waters to see, does this person have margin? Is there any sort of chemistry? Is there any sort of relationship here, mutual exchange here? Just be, that's being a friend. Yes, even if it hasn't worked in the past. Take a small step again. Have the courage and the boldness to take a small step again. That may just mean start attending here at Church on the Move or the church that you go to or the church that you like in town. Start attending on a more regular basis. Just put yourself in an environment where you have a chance to meet with people. That's a really simple, easy step. But here's the second question that we got. How do you maintain a real brotherhood when life gets hectic and demanding? And a lot of you feel that. You're like, I I had some of those relationships, but man, I got kids and they're in sports and I got my business and I work 70 hours a week. And I just, how do you keep it going? Here's what we want to say. Real brotherhood costs a lot, but it's worth it. It's worth it. Real brotherhood costs a lot, but it's worth the investment. Yeah, it's not always easy, unfortunately. When I yeah. left for Omaha that Monday night, Jamie was, my wife Jamie was not happy. Yeah. Um, and I'm not, I'm not here to rock marriages, and I'm, this is not marriage advice, but man, I, I prayed about it, I thought about it, I knew what I needed to do, and it cost me something. Is, is, I'll kind of just leave it at that. I didn't come home to, man, you're an amazing husband for responding to your friend in that way. Yeah. I came home to what the are you doing? You left me here with two kids for four days. I didn't know when you were coming back. And I was like, I, I'm calling you every day telling you, I don't know when I'm coming back. Yeah. Uh, I didn't want to be in Omaha. I mean, I knew what I was going to have to kind of pay for, if you will, back home. But was it worth it? Yeah. And I think there, all the, the uh, idea I guess I want to put in front of you is it, it, it can cost you something. Maybe you have to play less golf. Maybe you have to um, take a day off work. Maybe you have to um, invest in your marriage more so you have some time you can get away with a friend. I know we're all in many different situations, but it it is gonna cost you something. That's right, and so for some of you, it may be taking a small first step, but there's a lot of you in this room that I'm gonna invite you, I'm gonna challenge you to make a real commitment. And here's a couple of just easy steps you could take. Get involved with a group 
We got a lot of them here at Church on the Move. In fact, we're in an onboarding season of, of groups. And we've got some great brotherhood groups. We've got a year one degree group. That's a way you can discover your purpose. We've got a Katheros group, which is if you're struggling with, with sexual temptation or porn addiction or anything like that, come. We're, we, we have declared, our pastor Witt has declared war on porn around here. And so we don't like whisper about porn. We say, hey, get in Katheros and start finding freedom in this area. You can still jump into Katheros. That happens on Tuesday nights. But the biggest thing that we want to invite you to is a Wednesday night uh, mid-sized group that's happening here at this location over in the WGM building, and it's called Fathered by God. Brian and I are teaching it, but really it's going to be minimal teaching and a lot of discussion around this book by John Eldridge. Guys, we don't have time to unpack what's great about this book, but trust us, this anybody that fully reads the book and engages in the discussion, you will be changed by this experience. And so if you're looking for a step to take, if you want to make a commitment, if you want to make an investment that starts pulling you in the right direction, this would be a great one. Right there on your table, there's a QR code on the sign. If you hit that QR code with your phone, the camera on your phone, it'll take you right to the sign up for Fathered by God. I don't know how to say it more clearly. I've been saying it on the stage in there. I'm going to say it on the stage in here. What are you waiting for? Stop being pretty good on your own. Come and join us in this. There's already 145 guys that have signed up for this. We've got room for some more. Come, be a part of that. You can do it right now as we finish this up. Lastly. Last one, and let's, uh, maybe we can tie this out with, with yeah. maybe our story instead yeah. of just spending a lot of time unpacking this. But when Lee and I started our friendship, I desperately needed a friend, but we were fiercely competitive. Yes. Sports, girls, leadership, popularity, whatever. Yeah. But he was a friend, but our friendship was probably 20% complimentary and 80% competition. Yeah. You know, I think with, when I think about, and you can go ahead and just bring it to slide three and we'll just yeah. kind of go ahead and put the question and the answer up there because we're short on time. Whenever we started chasing God-sized dreams, God-sized vision, all of a sudden, I don't have a competitor. I need a friend. Yeah. So when I'm struggling with something, and when I'm chasing God-sized dreams, I need his gifts, his talents, his resources to go catch that, yeah. to go achieve that. We experienced that in church communities. We experienced that on mountain men trips. I experienced that with really close brothers I work with down at this table here at Church on the Move. We're going off something way bigger than one of us can do with our gifts right. and talents. And I think back to those moments on the trampoline. You know, those were investments. I needed that. I needed an outlet to process some feelings that I wasn't verbalizing. Yeah. But it didn't stop there. There, were, right. there was kind of more to the story. There was. And 20 years later, I think about being in the truck of Brian's car in my driveway and being 100% convinced, guys, hindsight's twenty twenty. When you're in the middle of something, it felt like life was over. And for all intents and purposes, in that moment it was. Been such challenges and crisis and tragedies. But you know, six years later, I remember so clearly, we were in that same truck. And we were driving back from Colorado. And we both realized God is up to something with us taking these guys to the mountains. It has changed our lives, and now it's changing other men's lives. And I was, I was in the secular marketplace at the time. I was not in ministry. And I was like, I can't believe God's letting me, inviting me back into some kind of ministry. 
It was a life-changing thing to be in that same truck, the same front seat of that truck where I had known for sure that my life was done and now God was saying, I want to use you guys for my purposes. I've got a God-sized plan for your life. And this year we took 170 guys on 21 different trips all over Colorado. It's amazing what God has done and it just keeps growing. Yeah. I also think back to the summer of our junior year. Yeah. We're at Osage Hills Christian Church I too, well, yeah, 49th Street West. Yeah, I think where Central High yeah. School is, middle of nowhere. Two young bucks sitting there thinking about what, what does God have in store for us? Marriage, career, what's that look like? Yeah. And for the first time together, really feeling like the Holy Spirit was there with us. Yes. And, and getting this glimpse of a God-sized dream that I think ties out to Witt inviting us to work at Church on the Move for yes. him with what's happening with Mountain Men. But maybe even more importantly this, what we heard was, and so many times in our life I never thought, I didn't even know if this was real or gonna come true, but what we heard was, you're gonna make an impact in this city. We're looking at the Tulsa skyline, specifically in pouring into men. Yeah. So we're 17 years old, getting a glimpse of what God has in our future, going through challenges and struggles, years where we weren't really that close. Your life exploded thinking you're never gonna get in ministry again. And then as we're thinking about this this week, we're thinking, man, to some extent today, that vision, you're here. Yeah. It's true. But they're not, it's not something that would have happened if I would have stayed in that five or six years of life where I was just doing pretty good alone. Yeah. Yeah. He who begins a good work in you is faithful to complete it. So here's our practical step from this one. Maybe it's time to have a big God-sized dream again. A dream that you cannot accomplish if you're just pretty good on your own. You're gonna have to leverage the strengths of other people. In fact, just quit being competitive with the guys around you. Quit, quit being envious. Quit being insecure because they're just better at you than some things. You need their strength. Here's the thing. Once I realized that, I realized that all these dudes in my life, I don't have to be strong in the areas where they're an expert because I got them. I can call them. I need your help in this area. They say, let me help you. That's the advantage of a brotherhood. I'm a Superman because I've got all these guys that will help me with their greatest strength. And I want to offer that too. I'm with you. <laughs> you got all these guys. But stupidly, we as men, we're, we're envious, we're competitive. We say, I hate that he's so good at that and I'm not good at it. I don't even want to be around him when he's like that. Don't do that. That's stupid. You got to have a dream that's big enough that you say, I got to have that strength. You got to go with me. Help me get where God is taking me. Guys, what we want to do to finish is just pray over you. We want to pray over you that if you're doing life alone, you'd have the courage to take the step to get into community of brotherhood to find somebody. I'm gonna pray for you that God brings somebody into your life, that you find somebody in your life, okay? Can we just bow our heads together? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for these men. And I just pray. I know there are some of them that are experiencing that downward pull of doing life alone. That's not what this is about. Father, I pray that you would bring someone in their life. Maybe it's somebody right there at their table. Maybe it's somebody that they used to be close to and, and, and just life has happened and they've gotten disconnected. God, I pray that you would show them who they need to go to. What are the doors they need to knock on? What are the texts that they need to send, God? And give them the courage to step into community. God, you are a God of community.
You began, you are a trinity. You called a people Israel. You built a church. You call us your family. And so lead us, God. And then do with us as a brotherhood what you would do. We love you, Jesus, and we pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen.